welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. Thank you for joining us all again. It's been another busy week here at the REC. Uh, just today, getting in touch with the Treasury and Rishi Sunak's team to talk about some of the big issues the industry still faces as we navigate our way through this uh, COVID-19 shutdown and hopefully now just beginning to get into the beginnings of an upturn in our uh, our jobs market. Certainly this morning's uh, REC uh, jobs outlook shows that hiring businesses are a bit more positive this month than they were last month. Let's hope that continues through the next few weeks and as we build back out of uh, what has been a really significant uh, slowdown across the industry. Our contacts with the Treasury today really focused on some of the big things that will make a, make a difference to the industry, answering some of those remaining questions about the uh, job retention scheme and its design, and making sure that the extended job retention scheme takes into account that many workers are weekly paid, that they are variably paid and they're on temporary contracts, so that we just don't design a scheme that fits for only one type of work. Looking again at statutory sick pay support, especially as it impacts the sector, differentially and looking to those directors of small limited companies who've been left without support so far. So some big uh, policy issues, but also a big offer from the REC on behalf of the industry. We know we're going to face an unemployment challenge through the second half of the year and reviving and and really ramping up some of the active unemployment support the industry has done in the past, for instance, in 2008-9. It's a critical part of the offer that we're making for government, uh, making to government on your behalf. So uh, lots of activity there. As always, you can catch up with it all on the REC website at rec.uk.com, where the coronavirus hub is updated every day. But today we're going to look at one of the things that's uh, occupied a lot of attention on the coronavirus hub and certainly previous pods, and that's uh, financial support from the financial services sector into businesses at this critical time. And clearly there's been a range of government initiatives designed to do that from the C-bills scheme for uh, smaller businesses to, to schemes for larger businesses and of course the bounce back loans for the very smallest businesses. And a number of you have suggested to us that it'd be really good to hear from one of the banks uh, about uh, how they're approaching this and what businesses need to know when they're approaching their bank for some of their support. So absolutely dis- uh, delighted to be joined today by Aaron Boland and uh, Chloe Clift from HSBC. Welcome to the pod to both of you. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here today. So Aaron, why don't you kick us off and then we'll come to Chloe on some of her experiences. Are you a relationship manager at the London Corporate Banking Centre for HSBC? What has the demand that you've seen from clients been like over the last uh, couple of months? And what sort of conversations are you having with, uh, with companies who bank with you? Yeah, it's been a sort of mixed demand, really, uh, depending on the sort of size of the businesses and the sort of sectors they focus in. Um, I'd say uh, for smaller businesses, we've had a larger request for support. Uh, that's partly because uh, they're often focused upon permanent placement rather than contract sort of side, which has been hit harder and quicker. Uh, some of those things is because start dates have been deferred or uh, new assignments have been postponed or cancelled. Uh, they also don't have the uh, large financial reserves that bigger companies have, which means they need uh, extra financial support quicker. 
for medium-sized businesses, we've sort of, they have larger, more experienced management team, which means they make better balanced decisions, um, so we decisions rather than I decisions, and they, they quickly reviewed their sort of budgets and their financials scenario running to make sure they understand what their cost base versus their sales look like so they can get a, a good idea of what their impact on the cash flow is going to be. They also have a, a better mix between temp and perm workers as well, which um, whilst contract has dropped off, it has been more stable than they first expected, which is great for them. Uh, and perm sort of side has dropped off, but there's still some some form of perm coming through. The main, main thing for our sort of side is that we just keep talking to our clients. We want to make sure they understand what's going on. We want to make sure that we uh, they are aware of what schemes that the uh, the government can, are supporting them with, as well as what the, we as a bank can do for them. And we also try and share sort of best practice actions we have from our conversations with other clients. So they're the key things that we're really doing. I think if I if I reflect back on what happened and how it sort of worked worked through, I think initially uh, the conversation was having was just around uh, you know customers and businesses just getting their people set up to work from home, how to do that. So an awful lot of laptops being bought and making sure they have the right headsets and communications, internet sort of services so they can carry on doing work. I think it was then looking around the, it was all about conserving cash. So it was looking, speaking to their creditors, talking to their uh, landlords, making sure see if they can either get reductions or defer costs to, to, uh, to further down the line. That was the first stage. The second stage, I think, um, which is sort of probably, you know, weeks two to four, I would say, two to five, they really then started, they had a better understanding of what's happening to their business. They'd been speaking to their clients. They understood what their needs were and how they felt they, were, they could support them. Um, and then there was an idea around understanding that by deferring too much further down the line, it could be saving up things for further down the line, which could have a longer term impact on their business. They also looked at other markets. So, you know, recruiters are very flexible in what they do. So if a market was particularly hit for them, they then looked to try and understand what markets were still around and try to move into those markets and get their, their consultants moving on to different areas. Um, and then sort of the third, third point, which is probably where we are now, um, I think we're seeing a lot of business now looking to reopen. Um, so two or three of my clients, they're, they're opening again in central London. Uh, they're not having a full team in. There's probably sort of 20, 25% sort of following the staff are giving the option for people to come in. I think that's for a lot of people which um, may be working from home, may be on their own, and therefore they want a, a better work environment where they can mix with other people, um, obviously at a safe distance, of course. And they're looking around sort of the, the bounce back. So they're trying to look, work out when that's going to happen, uh, speaking to their clients, making them aware that actually with things reopening, that you know the best candidates are out there. And obviously they, they want to get them in quickly and make sure they place them with them rather than lose out to um, a, a different different firm. The other thing we've been talking about, which is really important for us, is just making sure the customers are aware of what support schemes there are out there. So from a lending sort of side, depending on the size of the businesses, there's the bounce back loans for smaller businesses, up to 50,000 pounds. We've got the C-bills loans, which is for turnovers up to, to 45 million. And then we've got the CLE-bills, which are for the larger businesses over 45 millions and for investment institutions. Then you've got the CCFF. Um, and it's just really making sure that we speak to our clients around what scheme, if they need it, um, would be right for them. And just talking about eligibility and um, how that would work for them 
in the in the long term. Um, the other things we're obviously doing is talking about finding out what other support they're doing. So a lot of them taking up the furlough payment. So um, where whilst redundancies have happened um, from speaking to my clients, uh, a large portion of their uh, consultants have been furloughed. PAYE and HMRC deferrals have been made. They, some of those have actually started to pay those earlier just because they, they believe that actually their businesses are doing better than they thought and therefore they would rather pay some of this now and, and not have that debt in the future. So which means they can help focus on their growth next year rather than paying back funds which they've, they've borrowed as such. Obviously delaying IR35 in the private sector has helped some of them as well just because it's just it's pushed it back another year which means that obviously they, they get, it helps them from a cash flow point of view. Um, and from us, I guess, um, bank support, um, it's all about the cash flow for us. So we've done things like uh, capital payment holidays on bank loans. So just deferring it later, later down the line, just to keep cash in their business. Um, deferral of capital interest payments on any asset finance they've, they've got outstanding with us. Uh, one of my clients, we sort of cancelled a, uh, a cash sweep across for some debt they had just because it, once again, it just, it seemed like the right thing to do just to make sure that they, they have enough, enough cash in their business to continue to uh, trade and keep liquidity. And the other things is around the invoice discounting. There's things like we've increased prepayment limits. So they've got extra funding. So from 85 to 90% in some cases, or looking to increase debt a days from 120 to 150 days just to ensure that obviously they don't get restrictions on the cash flow. Um, but it's, it's all about just conversations. You know, I speak to my clients once a week, once every other week, uh, at latest depending on what they want. And it's just great to have an update with them really just to hear what's going on in their business and for me to share what I'm hearing from my other firms as well. Uh, so that's, that's my take on things really and what I'm sort of seeing in the market. I think that's really interesting, Aaron, because I think you started there with kind of where the market is and how the market is feeling and the developments and the kind of uh, wave pattern that we've ridden over the last couple of months. And I think lots of listeners will recognise that kind of initial adaption to what was perceived to be a, a, a short-term change into quite a deep level of concern about getting across the cash flow and getting uh, and getting the business set up for what was clearly going to be a, a significant period of restricted supply and, and now beginning to come out the other side. I think that that sense of understanding where businesses are at and you kind of that coming from your conversations with clients you just finished on week to week. I think that's what a lot of recruiters are looking for in terms of financial services discussion, which is understand the world from where I sit. And then we can have a talk about the kind of the different offers that the government put on the table. And thank you for, for setting those out, because I think even I have just said the government has put on the table. But of course, with things like C-bills, C-bills is an insurance to a loan that is actually being offered by the bank and which goes through the bank's traditional credit processes. So it's, and it's important, I think, listeners understand that. So, Chloe, why don't you uh, give us an, an introduction, bearing all everything that we've just heard from Aaron in mind about where the industry has been over the last few months. What sorts of support are HSBC offering to clients to help them navigate this period? Thank you, Neil, and also delighted to be here today. So thank you for inviting us. 
I think just to step back and give you an idea of the scale of our existing customer base, and I sort of caveat within normal trading circumstances. So HSBC UK serves around 14 and a half million customers just across the UK, um, supported by 32,000 colleagues. So obviously now, as Aaron's already alluded to, you know, we are bumping up and we have additional products and services to offer our customers to help them during COVID-19. Um, and to give you a sense of the volume of requests we've had, um, so, so far we've approved a total COVID lending of £7.2 billion. Um, so obviously, you know, this really kicked off in the UK in March time. So it's a huge amount of money and work and dialogue with our customers um, that we've had every day to try and support them through this time. To recap on a few support packages that have previously been announced, so we have a £5 billion fund to help businesses that need support. Our relationship managers are proactively contacting customers to see what help their businesses need. We've also launched a helpline to support any customer queries, and that's 08000121614, and that's a um, Monday to Friday helpline from 9am to 5pm. As Aaron mentioned, we're offering repayment holidays to free up cash within businesses. We're reviewing overdrafts or trade loans to allow stock to be held for longer. And we're also providing trade finance solutions to support customers with their supply chains. And to, to also note, we have a coronavirus hub on our website, which provides full advice and information for businesses at this time. And obviously the situation is evolving so quickly, that's a great resource that's kept updated um, as things continue to evolve. And that's on www.business.hsbc.uk forward slash coronavirus. Thinking about recruitment specifically, so probably pertinent to recruitment companies is our receivables finance solution um, that we can utilize for recruitment companies who have furloughed payee workers. And I know many of our clients have found this a significant amount of comfort, given they didn't necessarily know initially how long it was going to take to receive the government funding. And the, the other element now is I think as we're sort of getting through, not necessarily the eye of the storm, but we're trying to look forwards, trying to help our customers as they're, they're looking for opportunities. And as Aaron mentioned, you know, a lot of recruitment companies are very agile and are already looking at other markets or subsectors that may provide opportunities either in the short, medium or long term. And we're really trying to have those conversations with our clients now around preparing to reopen, how can they harness these opportunities, and then how can we support them from a financing um, perspective to help them with these strategic long-term goals as well. I think that's really helpful, Chloe. And I think what's interesting is there's been a lot of focus on the core schemes and uh, Sibbles is a classic example of that for the for the uh, small to medium-sized firm. Um, but those uh, pieces about receivables, finance, and I think in particular about thinking about supply chains, both in terms of prompt payment, which I know has been a massive issue throughout this period, but also in terms of some of the credit insurance that we know will be necessary as uh, as the market switches, switches on, those things I think are absolutely critical to a kind of nuanced understanding of the finance needs of a recruitment business at the, at the moment. So thank you for adding that to the, the kind of core loan support that, that has been uh, rolled out. And I, I, I think it's worth saying 
that um, in the early stages of Sybil's, what essentially government was doing was asking the financial services sector to switch on something very, very quickly from a standing start. And I think what we've certainly seen working with banks at the REC and with the British Business Bank is an iterative improvement in uh, the understanding of the needs of businesses uh, in this environment. And, And I think that continues as we go into this hopefully upswing. One of the things that businesses can do to help themselves is coming to their bank, whether that's your good selves or competitor, well prepared to have those discussions. And I think one of the reasons I was really keen to have you guys join us on the pod today is just to have that discussion about the work that a firm should be doing internally to make sure that they can have the right discussion with their relationship manager to make sure that as the RM fills in uh, all those forms and applications that are going to go to the credit department, that the information is there that helps the uh, the bank to make the right decision to support the client. When you're thinking about that, Chloe, what advice would you give a business in terms of thinking about what they need to be across to start the discussion with yourselves in the right place? So I think, as we've mentioned, as a sort of underlying theme is the regular dialogue um, is absolutely critical between, um, you know, your your bank, whether it's HSBC or not, um, and the customer to really understand well ahead of time um, where the pinch points may come, what they're seeing and feeling and hearing, and then ultimately getting a sense, um, you know, rather than coming to us with an urgent request that we've had that regular dialogue and we understand this is something that could potentially happen. And, and we all appreciate how difficult it is quite frankly at this point in time unless you've got a crystal ball I think we all wish we had to really understand you know what the recovery might look like and how long this is going to go on so thinking about the MI and financials and keeping your bank abreast of those is very important and in terms of the financial modeling and and again the level of sophistication will depend largely on the size of the business um, but to typically would see a base case and then a range of sensitivity analysis and, and some customers are coming with five or six different scenarios possibly demonstrating a three-month impact although I think now it's looking increasingly likely that's going to be longer than three months um, a six-month impact or throughout their financial year and across professional services um, the, the general discussions I'm having with the customers are, you know, we thought this might just be this year or a V-shaped recovery, but now, um, you know, precautionary, we are modelling up to 24 months if we think there could be an extended impact on their sector. Um, obviously, most significantly within recruitment, it'll be driven by the underlying sectors that they're exposed to and geographies as well. And and as Aaron mentioned earlier, you know, it's very important for the bank to understand the levers the business has pulled and and can pull to self-help where possible, whether that's reducing their capex spend, utilising the government schemes, you know, tax or VAT deferrals, furloughing, reducing salaries or possibly for larger listed companies, you know, restricting dividends as well. So there's obviously a a multitude of things that businesses can do. And I know from conversations that Aaron and I are having, you know, our customers seem very much on the front foot and have implemented a number of those strategies and have other levers they can pull that are, you know, more severe if they needed to, depending on what the outlook and the recovery ends up looking like. 
One, I think, as Aaron mentioned earlier, and as you've hinted at that point about uh, the performance of the recruitment business being predicated, at least in part, on the performance of the sector it's serving, that that speaks to Aaron's point earlier about, well, where can can I make a move to an area where growth is uh, greater, whether that's uh, doubling down on a, on a business that you already have, or whether it's uh, looking at pretend, uh, potential expansion, I think feeding that in. But there, there seems to be a, a running theme here, which is cash, as you mentioned earlier, looking over a longer term uh, time and just reassuring your relationship manager that of you know, what you would do under different circumstances being a critical part of accessing the finance to allow you to make the steps that, that you're looking to in your business plan. Aaron, is there any, how would you reflect on that in terms of the discussions that you've had with clients in the sector? Uh, yeah, so what Chloe was saying as well, the, the other key thing I would sort of say is that my approach is that, you know, if you're talking to a business which has been successful in the past um, and, you know, December 19th was good business at that point, it, you know, despite what happens to COVID-19, if they make the right decisions, then you'd like to think there'll be a good business going forward as well. So you know, they're the businesses we're trying to support as much as we can and for that sort of period. I'm constantly speaking to, uh, a lot of my businesses are global. So they're, they're in America, Australia, Singapore, et cetera. I've been speaking to some of my clients um, out there and, and most of them, the interesting point I would say is that they were all hit at different times. So in some ways, when uh, China was being hit, um, the UK wasn't too bad at that point. And then as the UK um, you know, got, got worse, China got slightly better. So the revenues around the, the globe sort of helped them out a little bit there. They're all looking at the different government schemes out in different countries as well. So things like in the US, the, the paycheck um, scheme that they launched there was very exciting and interesting to our clients. And that sort of helped them in a, in a difficult time. And there's obviously the Market Street schemes, which are being launched as well um, and you've got places like Singapore at the moment they're starting to see um, a, a bit more of an open up again so I think there's a similar time scale to the UK where uh, people can start going back to work I think it's on the, from the 1st of June I was told uh, on a limited basis uh, albeit that a lot of people will continue to work from home so it's been a yeah it's been an interesting um, an interesting sort of time and interesting to speak to how, how it affects different countries in different ways. Yeah, I think that's important, Chloe. I mean, you look across professional services uh, for the for the bank. Um, is it, and as a kind of global powerhouse, um, are there things that HSBC are seeing in how, for instance, China is recovering and uh, and public and professional services in particular are, are, are recovering? Uh, in Southeast Asia that that are important for us to take into our thinking about how the next few months should go in the UK? So I think, Neil, you're absolutely right. As a, as a global bank, we are in continuous dialogue, as you would imagine, with our counterparts around the world to pick up on similarities, differences, lessons that can be learnt. Um, as you would imagine, COVID-19 has been the sort of topic, the key topic of discussion on all these calls. But I think it's still fair to say that the picture is still evolving every day. And I know in some of those countries we just mentioned, you know, they had a second sort of outbreak um and i think you know hopefully a lot of them are through their peak in infection rate but it's still very difficult to predict what the new normal looks like um and you know we're particularly interested in in our counterparts and colleagues and how they're returning to work 
and the phased approach, um, you know, looking at capacity within the office and whether they're doing social distancing or letting individuals back on a sort of voluntary basis depending on their personal circumstances. I think that's the underlying point that every individual will have a different scenario a different background and personal circumstances that need to be taken into account by the business um, and certainly with an HSBC that's been the overlying message from senior management that the personal sort of safety um, and health is, is you know the primary importance before we really think about getting people back into the office in any you know mass um, or, or any scale. Thinking about um, China, for example, on more of a macro level, I mean, there's certainly been mixed reports about returning to work. And, and regardless, there's obviously going to be a, a likely impact on trade discussions between China and the US, which you know will obviously be partially stimulated by the COVID outbreak. And I guess the key risk is around the sustainability of the phase one trade deal, which was signed in January. Um, but but as we've mentioned, I think more positively across professional services, and I cover um, recruitment, legal and accounting and consultancy, um, the general feeling from customers is there is now a pickup in demand in China returning to pre-COVID levels, which I think, you know, we're all hoping is very encouraging, you know, and will bode well for, for Europe and the US and other parts of the world. And then obviously Germany, for example, has had a much flatter curve um, than other European countries. And we're hoping that'll mean they're back in full swing quicker than anyone else. Although, you know, thinking about Germany previously was at record lows for unemployment with many manufacturers struggling to attract talent. And therefore, you wonder with COVID, although it may bring a rise in unemployment and stimulate some work for recruitment firms, we're hearing the government support packages similar to the UK and the short-term working schemes have been you know, incredibly positive on staff retention and redundancies. So I think similar to the UK, it'll be very interesting to see what does happen to levels of unemployment um, you know, when these furloughing schemes in their local jurisdictions do get phased out. And then you know, if you've got to remember that Germany and the recruitment firms, they don't want to face a repeat of 300,000 STEM positions that were unfilled this time last year. Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting different dynamics, you know, not just within Europe, but but more broadly across the globe. And, uh, I, you know, in terms of general themes within professional services, uh, you know, I think there's an increased acceptance. The new norm will be a reduction office square footage. Um, and I've seen similar surveys completed in the recruitment sector and they're obviously having very similar discussions around can they um, reduce existing office space can they get out of leases um, as well and, and possibly sublet if not and and you know off the back of that there's obviously going to be an increased IT and technology need to really enable that agile working and encourage employees to work remotely and then also we've seen within sort of wider professional services, a reluctance from some large professional services firms to actually enter into some of the government schemes and make the use of furloughing employees, for example, because of potential reputational damage. And then the other area is obviously around increased bank debt. So as we've already mentioned, you know, with a reduction in revenue, many people have some companies have tried to raise further equity or, or if not, um, bank lending or government schemes. 
and the longevity of this pandemic will clearly determine the shape of the recovery and the financial impact to many businesses and whether that's V shape, U shape, W or tick shape, we've all seen many different iterations of that potential graph. Um, and then, you know, due to that, precautionary banking measures and facilities have been put in place. Um, so I think the positive from HSBC side is, you know, we are absolutely here to support our customers. And as mentioned, if it was a good business in 2019 and they need further funding, then, you know, we are very, very keen to help. Um, and HSBC has deployed more staff into credit functions just to deal with the sheer number um, of requests um, for for additional credit and lending facilities. So that's a really interesting take on you know some hope for bouncing back, but also bouncing back into a different shape. And I think all of us will recognise the the picture of a business that's looking at its capital expenditure and particularly around office space and thinking, well, what do I actually need to do uh, to do here going for uh, going forward? And I think there's, there might well be some differential impacts in terms of employment in cities and towns versus on the edges of cities and towns, which we're already seeing amongst REC members. It's much easier to open up an office on a business park with a car park outside than it is to open up one in, one in central London right now. I think that that last message, though, Chloe, I think is a really interesting one in terms of understanding the kind of the credit position of of companies. And I, I just want to close by asking one one last question. And yeah, I'd be interested in both your views on it. Which is, in some in some ways, particularly staffing firms traditionally look a bit different in terms of credit profile to other businesses place a, a temp in a uh, business that temp is paid that that week your client might pay you sometime later and and clearly there's a range of financial products which support that that kind of transaction but it does mean that staffing firms tend to carry quite a lot of short-term debt on their books how does that play out in terms of a credit decision at a moment like this is it something that the firm that's done that work that you described earlier to keep their RM in the loop can just deal with and articulate and articulate the plan around it, or is it a potential tripwire? From HSBC's side, I mean, we're very familiar with recruitment companies and their model and their standard payment terms. So from a credit function and particularly within receivables finance and our trade colleagues, you know, we're very familiar that that is the status quo of, of most recruitment companies. And, um, you know, we, we do bank a lot of them are in a very important part of our customer base. So I don't think optically that hasn't changed hugely, although I understand there's obviously additional um, strain in terms of possibly, you know, days from where 120 days are now 150. So we've certainly tried to provide um, further flexibility within our receivables finance offering to increase prepayments, for example, or increase the funding days to give that, um, you know, allowance given what's going on in the, the wider macro environment so that, that we can work with firms um, who, you know, effectively are, are struggling because their clients aren't paying them on the terms they originally agreed. So I think, you know, as, a, as an organisation, we are trying to work with our customers to be as flexible as we can be given the, the additional pressure that are on our client base. 
and from my sort of side, I guess, you know, from a day to day sort of basis, um, you know, we, we, you know, all my clients, they regularly provide me with management information so I can see what happens and how the business works and the financial implications on things. Um, and quite often um, they, 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 they do it you know, very, they perform very well and they provide the information on time. Um, and on that basis, we'll continue to look to support them as, as we can. Um, but we'll be as flexible as we can with them as well in the current sort of situation. Thank you both for the answers to that, because I think it is, it is something that has played on a lot of recruitment business owners and, and leaders' minds through through this period. And of course, I should add to this answer that you know half of my job is going to uh, cross-sectoral meetings with the CBI and banging my shoe on the table and telling clients to pay their bills because prompt payment is a significant issue like this. But uh, but I think having an understanding of the trading position of a professional services business like a, like a staffing firm at a time like this is really important to judging that long-term sustainability and why it was a good business back in December 2019. So that was really helpful. I'm afraid our time is up, however, so for, can I just say thank you to you both for, for joining us on, on the pod today? Thank you, Neil. Thanks, Neil. I'll wrap up by saying uh, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, uh, there are a range of other pods on the REC website that might be well worth your time. Interested in a view from the client side, episode 17 with the On the Road to Recovery with Ruth Penfold of Launchpad is a cracking listen on how your clients are thinking about uh, tackling the challenges they face at the moment. If you're interested in a broader picture of what the UK jobs market would look like, episode 15 uh, on the path to the labour market recovery with Torsten Bell of the Resolution Foundation is fantastic. Or if you would like some insight from leaders in the, in the industry about how they're tackling this challenging time, try episode 14, Weathering the Storm with Bev White of Harvey Nash and Jeremy McGrail of the Staffing Group. Thank you all for listening today and we look forward to catching up with you again on the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.